0: Let's pray. Lord, fill us up with your spirit. May we be attentive to your word today. Speak freshly to us. May your spirit fall upon us. Lord, we just want to be your people, and we want to live your way. So now, uh, Lord, as we listen to your word uh, that is read, may the words jump off a page and into our hearts. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. From the book of Acts, the second chapter of the story of Pentecost. This is after the ascension of of Jesus. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. All the disciples were in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And then I want to turn uh, briefly to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, beginning at verse 32. Luke, the writer, uh, says this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What an incredible, amazing event. Words cannot fully describe the experience The Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples with the rush of a mighty wind and with tongues of fire dancing upon upon their heads, and they all at once began to speak in other tongues so that they could be understood by those of other races and of other nations. I mean, it was incredible. But as awesome and miraculous a sight as those outward signs must have been, the real miracle of Pentecost is what happened to the disciples inwardly as the Spirit invaded their hearts. On that day, the disciples were forever changed. The Holy Spirit brought them into a kind of unity that they had never experienced before. And you know, those first disciples, they were uh, a strange bunch. (laughs) They came from different walks of, of life. They had different temperaments, you know, we know Peter, who uh, the leader of the band, who was rather impetuous and impulsive. James and John, given to temper tantrums. Uh, Matthew, a tax collector who probably cheated people. And then you had Simon the Zealot, who wanted to kill all tax collectors. Uh, we had uh, uh, Thomas, who was always asking questions. And then there was Judas, who always had his hand in the till, <coughs> And so, given this motley crew, they must have been rather quarrelsome, don't you think? Don't you think that that they would have been rather contentious? I mean, can you imagine when you put those people into that kind of a mix? And there were jealousies and memories of past hurts and resentments and so on. And each person brought in their own personal baggage from their families and so on. And you remember the time, uh, we we saw it not too long ago, when uh, the disciples were, actually a couple of disciples, James and John came up to Jesus and said, Lord, we want to be, we want the chief seats in the kingdom. (laughs) We want to be the secretary of state, the vice president, you know? And all the other disciples heard about it, and they were, you know, (laughs) they were frustrated with James and John, and and everybody was ambitious. Everybody wanted the chief seats. They were arguing with one another, and this is just a couple days before Jesus died, And basically, Jesus had to say, would you guys quit? (laughs) Would you guys stop it? This is not what it's about at all. So, not only did the disciples irritate one another, but they must have irritated Jesus big time. Well, then, all of a sudden, as they were together in the upper room, Jesus had ascended to the Father sometime after that, after the resurrection, the ascension, Then, as the disciples disciples were gathered together, the Holy Spirit came with power down upon those disciples, and all of a sudden, there was a new kind of unity. The disciples experienced solidarity. No more bickering, no more fussing. They were full of the spirit of Jesus himself. They were full of love and concern for one another. They moved from quarreling to concert, from contention to unity. Luke tells us they were all of one heart and one mind. The Spirit brought them together, so they moved out as one into the world to share the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the Spirit would do that, well, that's a miracle, right? He can change that bunch. It was a miracle. Absolutely amazing. Only God could make that happen. But at Pentecost, not only were the disciples made one, but they were made generous. The Holy Spirit came upon them and all of a sudden, they began to share with one another. They were so caught up in the Spirit and so full of love for one another, they just opened up their purses and their homes and took care of the poor and the helpless among them. They pooled their resources to to take care of each other. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, says Luke, but they shared everything they had, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. You know, it takes a miracle for some people to begin to open up their purses. (laughs) They all began to enjoy the blessing of sharing. They pooled their resources for the glory of God and for the advance of the kingdom, and no one clung selfishly to his or her private possessions except for Ananias and Sapphira, whose story is also told in the book of Acts chapter 4, but I won't go into that. But there was a new sense of trust in the fellowship. Somehow they'd been made so aware of the abundance of God and of their utter dependability upon Him that they no longer felt a need to hoard things or to grasp things in order to get security in life, they could freely share with one another because they came to believe that God could be counted on to supply all of their needs according to the riches of His glory. So the Spirit of God not only brings people together in unity, but He enables them to open up their hands and share. Another miracle. And a third miraculous effect of Pentecost has to be the power and the courage that came to the disciples. Because not long before, if you remember, they were cowering in the upper room behind locked doors. And here they were now, hitting the streets and preaching with boldness. As Luke says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord continued to add numbers to the church. The church grew exponentially. People from all over the world were now hearing the good news of the love of God and Jesus Christ. Sinners were experiencing forgiveness, were being set free to live a new kind of life. People were being healed and made whole. The disciples were literally turning the world upside down. Even the Jewish leaders at the time who were horrified by this turn of events were impressed by the boldness and the courage of the followers of Jesus. The Spirit made them one. The Spirit made them generous. The Spirit made them powerful and courageous. It was all part of a miracle a Pentecost. So, what does that mean for you and me? What does it mean for us as a church? I can't think of a greater need than for the Holy Spirit to come to us afresh, as He came at Pentecost, so that we can be more unified in mission, more generous in outreach, and more courageous and bold in witness. This is the, uh, the day of Pentecost. Um, the season of Pentecost actually lasts only one day. I googled it just to make sure, you know, in the calendar, the church calendar, it's only one day. <clears throat> I think I went to yahoo.com and the question was asked, how long does Pentecost last? And, um, and, you know, the answer was, of course, one day. But then somebody facetiously said, for most people, one or two hours. That is, only on Sunday morning when we talk about Pentecost. Well, sadly, there is truth in that. For many Christians, Pentecost lasts maybe for an hour when it ought to be a continuing reality as the Spirit of God continues to transform our hearts. Perhaps we've been relying too much on our own power and our own abilities and our own resources to carry out Christ's mission. And then maybe we wonder why we're not Accomplishing all that much for the kingdom. Seems to me that you and I and all of us have to pray. That the Holy Spirit will invade our hearts. And perform a miracle. And I got to tell you. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. When the Holy Spirit gets inside you. When you realize that God isn't just out there. But God actually dwells within. When we begin to give our, our hearts, give the Spirit full sway over our lives, amazing things happen. Everything changes. Everything suddenly comes alive. A dead, lifeless, barren faith becomes a burning passion. It's at the center of who you are. It's to understand with Paul, for me to live is Christ. I long to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's like a light. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, it's like a light that just goes on. And all of a sudden you see, and everything seems different. One of the top tourist attractions in France uh, is Chartres Cathedral. Uh, Chartres is a a town just outside of Paris, just south of Paris. and the Chart uh, cathedral chart is a real jewel be- because there ha- actually it's very original there haven't been a lot of other renovations through the centuries but it's i mean the same windows are there that were there when the cathedral was built it's an amazing place some of you have been there uh, when you ride into chart at least we were coming when i had the good fortune to visit there and we were in a car and we were traveling towards Short, and uh, you're in this countryside, and everything is flat, and then all of a sudden, you begin to see these big twin towers, you begin to see this big structure that just kind of appears. And of course, those are the twin towers of the cathedral. And, you know, the closer you get, the more impressed you are by its size. But the towers and the windows and the entire building seems like most cathedrals rather drab and rather lifeless, right, and gray, You know, and, you know, sometimes if you've seen one cathedral, you know, a lot of people say, well, then you've seen them all. From the outside, the stained glass windows appear pretty much nondescript, right? Like our windows from the outside. But step inside the cathedral. Walk into the nave. And you will say, wow. 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 The cathedral comes ablaze with color and light. The stained glass windows are amazing. The arches, you know, lift your eyes to the heavens. You have a sense of transcendence, of the presence of God. I mean, I can understand why people in the Middle Ages built those things. Incredible. It comes alive. And that's what happens when churches, when individual Christians are touched by the Holy Spirit and indwelled by them. Suddenly, everything comes alive. All is color and light. You're no longer on the outside looking in, wondering what the life of faith must be like and how it is that those people are so full of God. But you are now an insider. Now you know. The presence of the Lord is now real. His presence becomes almost palpable. All of a sudden, the words of Scripture jump off the page and speak directly to your heart. No longer is it just a jumble of archaic, old religious words that people, you know, heard way back when. But all of a sudden, they become words of life to us. You find yourself being personally addressed by God himself. You suddenly have this growing insatiable hunger to know Christ more fully and deeply, and to connect with other Christians who want to grow, too, and who can encourage you. And suddenly, Sunday worship with God's people is not only a delight, but it's a priority. You recognize it as the most important appointment of the week, because you know you are encountering the presence of the Lord himself, and you're anxious to thank him, and to praise him, and to worship him with all your being. And you recognize that you need to do that with other Christians who are feeling the same way. Because you need that support and that encouragement. And then you find yourself becoming more enthusiastic about living your faith. By the way, enthusiastic, you know that word is Greek? Comes from entheos, in in God. If you are in God, you are enthusiastic about what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in in your life, what God is doing in the church. You realize that it's not just a one hour affair, but it's a lifestyle. So let us pray that we will come alive, more fully alive, and the Holy Spirit will perform a miracle in our hearts. In fact, I think prayer is a key. I think of that verse in the book of James which says, You don't have because you don't ask. And I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit fell upon those disciples when they were praying there in the upper room. Could it be that whatever disunity and selfishness and fear we experience is due to the fact that we have failed to ask the Spirit to come with power into our hearts and into our lives? Could it be? So let us commit ourselves anew to the all-important spiritual discipline of prayer. With all the challenges and the opportunities that lie before us as a church, I can think of nothing more important for us to do is simply to pray. To be open, to surrender ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work among us. Let us pray for the Spirit and expect a miracle. Let's pray. Blow upon us, O Lord, the fresh wind of your spirit. Draw us together, make us one. Make us more generous and more courageous. Breathe into us a new hope and a new purpose and a new direction for our lives. Breathe your power into this church Change us as you change those disciples on the first Pentecost. Make us people of prayer so that your spirit may do mighty things in and through us. In the name of the risen Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.